3: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile,
1: the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast.
4: All right, so um, The Athletic has their top 150 free agents, and this is... this is um. As lists go, I'm trying to kind of aggregate all these power rankings of free agents. And from a Texan standpoint, the one I'm most interested in is, like, where is Jonathan Grenard in all this? Because Grenard has been much higher up these lists than I think Texan fans might have anticipated during the regular season. I think Grenard's going to be pricey, man. I'm less optimistic about Grenard coming back just after seeing what some of the experts, where they're slotting him. I feel like some of these guys talk to front offices around the league and they base some of their rankings on that. So yeah. that's the that's Texans' angle with, this, with, with respect to guys in the building. As far as shopping for guys from other teams go, I think the Texans are going to be very active doing that. They're going to need to be. They've got 30 of their own free agents they either need to bring back or replace. There are certain guys on this top 150, though, Seth, this athletic top 150. This, this list is the one that's got some of the biggest disparities in it on certain guys. And there are certain guys here when you start to get down to about thirty five or forty, you go, Okay, well if this is where the market views this guy, I feel better about the Texans maybe being being in on these guys. Maybe they're you know, maybe they're they're cheaper than we think they're gonna be.
5: Yeah. Yeah, I think the biggest fear is always that you're just gonna overpay for somebody that ends up not working out. Yes. The mid tier you pay a mid tier guy and it doesn't work out, very easy to forget about that. Absolutely. You just kinda just stick it under the back seat and figure you'll clean it come springtime. Yeah, that's right. Um <laughs> Are you
4: surprised that Randy Mueller, former GM, has Mike Evans one, two, three, four, five receivers down on his list? He's got him listed 38th overall among free agents and behind Calvin Ridley, Darnell Mooney, Michael Pittman Jr., and T. Higgins. If Mike Evans is the 38th best free agent and he's the fifth best wide receiver and that's how the market views him, I'm not saying it yeah. will, but if it were to. Maybe he is a little bit more in that range where cautious spenders like Payne and Pendergast feel a little bit better about this. I
5: think I, Look, my, I'm, I'm not able to scroll on this page right now for this moment. I'm guessing that his write-up says something about age, right? Like prominently so, and that he would be higher. Let me guess. Based on performance this past year, he would have been top 10, uh, except given that he's in his 30s, uh, he cannot be.
4: Okay, I'll read it. Here's what it says. Evans had a season best described as up and down. He played angry at times and often seemed frustrated by little things, which showed in his body language. But he's still a big, strong dude who can move the chains, break tackles, and make highlight catches. He remains very productive, but persistent drops – Gave me pause yeah. for concern. This was a perplexing evaluation for me. So is fit with the right team and scheme is paramount. So I, I'm su- I'm as surprised as you. He doesn't mention age at all. In here. Yeah, I was yeah. I
5: was dead wrong on that. Yeah, I think the the drops is a valid point and mm-hmm. one that people have brought up. He's uh, He's he's one of these frustrating guys who will make incredible, incredible catches and then turn around on the next play, drop the easy one. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just. That's just what you get with Mike Evans. That's just kind of the knock on him. And that's, it's not obviously going to go away at the age of 31 or something. But I, I feel like he still offsets that enough. As far as his frustration that he showed this year, I guess some of that just comes down to what's your appetite for you know guys who are super competitive but maybe sometimes they're going to blow off steam. I don't think he does it in a way that ever looks like it's selfish or meant to prop himself up. And I think that he was, look, look, he was playing in a year where Baker Mayfield was their quarterback and they made Baker Mayfield look as good as Baker Mayfield could look. Yeah. I, 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 I like. I, but there's a lot of frustration that comes with that. I think it
4: stands to reason that he would be less frustrated playing in this offense with C.J. Stroud, yeah. Stroud as his quarterback.
5: Yeah. I, I personally, I do feel, though, that at this point, where you have gaps elsewhere on the team, that I think it's worth spending money on. You've got strength at wide receiver right now. Yeah. Find that third guy through the draft at some point. Pay Nico Collins. I don't need to be spending money on Mike Evans right now. Now, if they're able to get him, yeah, and it's a a week two, three, or four signing or something, and it's reasonable, it's not break the bank type money. I'm very intrigued. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. All over oh, he makes us, you better, no question. He's just, yeah. yeah, he's just not on my wish list. Yeah. And it's not because I don't really, really respect him as a football player. I just feel like the Texans have other needs elsewhere. I was
4: surprised 38th on this list. And we'll see we'll, we'll see what the market feels about that. All right, there's five other names that jumped out at me, Seth, that, hey, if they're ranked this low, then maybe they're worth kicking tires on for the Texans. DJ Reader is 47th on this list. He's listed as the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, Seven eighth best defensive tackle. Now yeah. he's coming off a bad quad injury that he suffered to end his season. We should say that. Be-
5: I believe that bad quad. In- I believe the bad injury he had a couple years ago was a quad as well. So that part I'm curious about. I think the medical eval is probably a big part of this because he's getting up into his 30s. He's 30 this year and that's if if you've got a quad tendon issue already and you've had tendon issues in the past you start to get nervous about a guy who who takes a lot of abuse he's a no he's a true nose tackle he takes a lot of abuse i don't i'd be surprised if he's a scheme fit for what D'Amico wants that was
4: my next question
5: yeah, yeah i mean i think that like dj's always been a better pass rusher than you expect Because he's primarily a run stuffer, but he also can get after the passer and get you good push up the middle. But I think that he's still more of a space eater than I think maybe D'Amico wants. Now, it it might also just be that D'Amico wants a guy in there for the gotta have it, stop the run type downs, Mm -hmm. and maybe felt like he didn't have that right now. Mm -hmm. So he might go after DJ. There's a chance, I think there's a better chance that people might expect that DJ gets here if if he sits out there in free agency. Mm-hmm. Cause like right now I'd look at him as a two down player and you can't pay him the way the Bengals paid him. Bengals gave him almost like a, like a three down player type of they contract. Did. Yeah, they did. And, uh, and, and, and he was a better pass rusher than people thought. I just don't think he's quite that guy anymore.
4: Next guy is a guy I know you love. And I'm guessing you like seeing if we're to believe this list is at all indicative of the market. Derrick Henry is 51st on the, top 150 free agents he's the fourth listed running back behind Saquon Barkley who by the way is fifth overall on this list fifth overall uh Josh Jacobs Henry's also behind Gus Edwards and then uh he's fourth here um you know which kind of fits in probably I'm guessing in that price range that we like at running back
5: I, I think a lot of people like to make excuses for Saquon Barkley based on the Giants offensive line the Titans offensive line is worse much worse and well, I don't know what much worse the Titans offensive They're both, line was yeah, worse. It's they were really bad. Really, the Titans offensive line was the worst offensive line in the league. Yeah. And Derrick Henry had the second most rushing yards in the league last year. He had better statistics than Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, Austin Eckler in a lot of categories while also doing that. We Houston Texans fans are a little bit maybe jaded more so than we need to be because we saw the Texans absolutely shut him down. Uh, but... I think with the right quarterback, where you can actually really utilize the play action, Derrick Henry can still be lethal. Yeah. Like Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry is still a guy that commands eight guys in the box and can make things easier for CJ Stroud and make things easier for your offensive line in a way that I don't think Saquon Barkley does in quite the same fashion. Saquon Barkley has that home run hitting ability. Yeah. Sure. But on a down and down out basis, I think that if you got CJ Stroud instead of Will Levis in the backfield, you're just going to eviscerate people on the play. action.
4: Yeah. And if I had to guess, I, I think there's probably fewer teams out there that think that they can make Derrick Henry a super focal point of their offense, the way he was in Tennessee. Yeah. Then there are people who think that maybe Saquon still has that in him. You know, Saquon's younger. He's, you know, maybe a little more di- at peak at his peak a little more dynamic than, than Henry yeah. is. Um so I, I think I think if you're the Texans and you're in the Derrick Henry market, I think you're gonna be I won't say pleasantly surprised, but I think the price will be right on him, I
5: think. I think though too he, Derrick Henry's 30 years old. He's a running back, obviously. Yeah. My, You know my theory about third running back contracts. Yeah. I actually trust a guy on his third contract more than a guy who's entering his second contract. Yep. If that guy has actually lived through his second contract, yeah. which Derrick Henry has. He's he's probably going to enter into Frank Gore territory if he decides to keep playing. Where He doesn't need to be the feature back, but he could play forever. It, because he's been, for the amount of carries and touches that he gets, he's been very durable other than the big injury a couple years ago. Did you see
4: the video of him working out the other day?
5: I saw him doing planks and whatnot. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah, yeah. I get impressed by that stuff, but I'm not a former player. I'm like, I, 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 I'm like that, that dude is a superhero.
5: He's, he's impressive to do some of the body weight stuff he can do as like a heavy, long guy. Yeah, it's, oh, that's, yeah, all a, the, that's the, tar- the torque and flexibility yeah. drills that he yeah. does. Holy that's smokes. a lot of stuff. I don't want to say it's easier for shorter. Well, it is easier for shorter guys. It's still impressive when they do it. But yeah, to, for a six foot three guy, yeah. that's that big to be doing some of that stuff, it's impressive. It is impressive. Yeah. Uh,
4: where are you on Austin Eckler? Because he's seventieth on this list right now.
5: He's a guy that I feel like every age objection is one hundred percent. completely
4: valid. <laughs> I hate him because he ruined my fantasy team last year. He, he. You're right. He's twenty nine. He yeah. fell off a cliff last year at age twenty eight. I mean, that's he's the it, it. It's the textbook running back. They now he, by now. As a result of that, he might be super cheap. Who knows? Yeah. Like he Austin Eckler might be in Devin Singletary territory, you know, like where he's a year four and a half million dollar guy.
5: I'd say one thing about Austin Eckler, if you want to do it on the cheap compared to Saquon Barkley, yeah. is that man, if you really if CJ really wants to be disciplined about hitting his check down or getting running backs involved in the passing game even when they're not a checkdown when they're more of a primary receiver. Mm-hmm. Austin Eckler makes a lot of sense there. Like he can he can give you that yep. in a way that the, the way that a lot of these other backs can't. So uh, and then uh, the other part is just pass protection. Um, there's part of me that just wants a savvy, smart, veteran guy back there that can pick up blitzes because the Texans lacked that in a, in a big way. This oh year.
4: yeah, at some of the worst possible times. Yeah. Two more names. These guys are in the 80s on this list here. What would you think about? If they don't bring Cashman back, if they've got a need at linebacker, I think this guy's at a stage of his career where he's probably, you know, he's he's been a great player, but he's probably fairly inexpensive. What do you think of Levante David?
5: I like Levante David. I, I The only issue I have with Levante David, and I would say the same thing with Patrick Queen, is that... Those guys are best when they're playing Will linebacker, when they can just be the speedy, super fast dude there and not necessarily have to be the the, Mike. the big bear yeah. making the play calls at Mike linebacker. Yep. Christian Harris is similar to that, too. Mm-hmm. And I, some of this is going to depend on where D'Amico thinks Christian Harris fits best. Because Christian Harris just looks a lot more natural and smooth when he doesn't have to think as much as a Mike linebacker. But I think he's capable of doing all that, and he's only had one year in. In he's only had one year in this scheme. Mm-hmm. So if you brought in a veteran like Levante David to play, will as Christian Harris was really like sinking his teeth into playing Mike. That's that's interesting, but it makes me a little bit nervous. Just as it's another projection for Christian Harris. Yeah. So, um. But yeah, I. But I do like look at what we've done with the, the linebacker position over the past few years. They brought in Christian Kirksey to be kind of a mentor for younger guys, maybe for a Zach Cunningham, or uh, and then on to a, a Christian Harris. It didn't work. Well, well, I thought Christian. I thought Christian Kirksey was good for what they wanted him. For. I'm
4: talking solely on Zach Cunningham. That was. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah that part. Oh yeah, yeah. Good no, call. Kirksey was fine. Kirksey was fine. Yeah.
5: And then you know they kind of upgraded in some reg- in some regards. Well, they brought in. I mean, they signed like four off-ball linebackers last year. the you know, Denzel Perryman. Um, oh, Corey
4: Littleton. Yeah. A couple other guys. On there was team. a lot of competition in yeah, camp. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Well, Brian,
5: they brought back, they had extended Brian Cashman. There was That's just right. a lot of competition there. Yeah. So, like, would the next stage in that to bring in an aging Levante David at off ball linebacker who can still be an impact player for you, but maybe even like up the tutoring uh, a, another notch further? Yeah. Uh, last one. I like, I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by the, that Frankie Luvu from. A lot uh, of people are. Yeah, well, he's very versatile. I yeah. think he has a from the Panthers. He's very versatile in a way that I think would intrigue uh, D'Amico Ryan. Where's
4: he on this list? How pricey is he going to be? I got yeah. Search. Where's Luvu? I got to search on linebackers here real quick. Where are you, Luvu? Let's see here, linebackers. Patrick Queen, Frankie Luvu. He's number two on the list. He's number mm-hmm. number two linebacker, number thirty one overall on the free agency list.
5: There's some great Polynesian names out there, both in the draft and in... There are. It, there's going to be two great Polynesian names taken in the first round, most likely, and, at offensive and defensive line.
4: And, I, and and if Jameis Winston's water theory applies to other positions, <laughs> yeah. these Polynesian linebackers are the ones you're going to want to go get.
5: Jameis, Jameis Winston has a theory that guys who grow up around water are just different it's hard to explain exactly what Dude. his theory is about that. It's something about how because it has no soul and it moves and carries you places. Uh, it does. It does explain maybe perhaps why some of our. Uh our best players from the Dominican Republic and Cuba are uh, as good as they are. If it yeah. works for baseball, it's a lot too, of water, sure. A lot of water. If
4: it works yeah. for baseball, I would love to see Jameis' big board. <laughs> it's all players in Hawaii, <laughs> on the coast. <laughs> like, Jameis has like guys that are playing in the Midwest, like way, way down. They're not near any water. Are you it kidding
5: me? West Texas. Nothing came ever Nothing ever came out of West
4: Texas. That's right. That's right. Um, last one. If we're looking for wide receiver help, sure Mike Evans would be great. What about a stretch the field guy in uh, Hollywood Brown from Arizona? He's 88th on this list right now. He 88th. Intrigued me. He's 88th overall.
5: I don't know about uh, I don't know about Marquise Brown. Okay. I the the thing is you've already you already got a small receiver in in Tank Dell who does not play like a small receiver whatsoever. Yeah. I even hesitate to even call him a, a small wide receiver. But again, Is he the guy that if you're going to bring in a veteran and you want to bring in some element of leadership or bring in some element of, hey, we don't have this, I feel like we already have our super slippery, sleek, athletic guy in Tank Dell. Yeah, I don't know if an I don't know if another one of him is what we need in a Marquise Brown, and they also really like they 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 want guys who are very ready and willing and able to block. Yeah, that's true not, too. I'm not yeah. criticizing Marquise Brown; it just yeah. I, he doesn't jump out as me as uh, as a guy that that blocks real well. I'll fact check myself on yeah. that, but I've never I've never caught myself being like, "Wow, did you see Hollywood Brown on that play?" Yeah, 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 yeah.
4: yeah. I, I I'm I'm with you on that. Just that that far down the list, I'm going. All right, well, if you I mean get him for. You know, two years, ten million bucks, or something like that, and you plunk him in yeah. there and see what happens. Definitely wouldn't go top dollar for him. All right, Payne and Pendergast with you on a uh, on a Thursday. Great to be with you. Appreciate you tuning in. Hope everybody's phones are working this morning. Okay, big outage, I guess. It's still trending. Uh, so uh, stay safe out there, people. This is the beginning of the end. We've appreciated your listenership through the years.
5: Yeah, it's been real. It's been awesome. Yeah, I will be your warlord. <laughs> uh, remember, I've I snatched that. So just. You're, We'll round up at 5 a.m. Yeah, yeah. Seth's got his to.
4: bandana and his Bowie knife ready to go. We'll we're- do it at
5: the amphitheater there at the... Miller Outdoor? The yeah. yeah, Miller Outdoor Miller Theater. Miller Outdoor Theater. That's Seth That's Paint Outdoor Theater to you.
4: <laughs> It is now. <laughs> Nobody else is going to take it. All right. Um, so, My hey, also... will be toppled somewhere. Also, we're giving away uh, rodeo tickets in the next segment for uh, the, uh, the uh, Jelly Roll concert and the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo next segment. So be listening for that. Um, Johnny Manziel, how much could he have made in NIL during his time as a player? He gave out a number yesterday. Are we Ooh. buying this as the number Johnny thinks he – well, Johnny, I'm buying it as what he thinks he could have made. Are we buying the truth and he could have made this much in NIL? That's next.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
1: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy.
4: Right, good to be with you on a, a Thursday. Sean Pendergast, Seth Payne with you. Um, the Johnny Manziel. Johnny Manziel did an interview, sat down, did a podcast with Shannon Sharp, Hall of Fame tight end, ESPN personality, Club Shay Shay, the name of the podcast. About a two hour wide ranging conversation. We'll get to what he had to say about his former coach, Kevin Sumlin, in just a second. But obviously, money and NIL were a big topic on this podcast because if you go back and look, At athletes, it would have cleaned up on NIL money had the name, image, and likeness rules been different when they were players. Johnny Manziel might be at the top of the list. How much does Johnny Manziel think he could have made in NIL money if NIL were legal back when he was playing at Texas A&M?
2: Probably 10 million a year. I could have done five on my own with the Instagram. I could have done five million a year on my own just through the people and connections I had on my phone. Right. That's what a lot of people don't understand is during this time and during this rise and a lot of where my downfall probably came from is, you know, I get on my phone and get on Twitter and be like, yo, Shannon Sharp just follow me. Come on, James Harden, Drake, LeBron. Are you partying with him? I'm in a, I'm a DM away from being Rockets courtside. I'll be there in an hour and a half. My access that I had to the world and people that I wanted to be around was limitless. With just my cell phone in a in a house in College Station.
5: That that is true. Like NIL or not, even the way most of the NIL deals are constructed, just because uh, look, a lot of the NIL deals guys are supposedly getting paid for appearances or something, but it's it's way more than they should actually get for an appearance. They're just getting they're getting handouts from alumni. So he would have gotten a lot of NIL handout money. Oh yeah, thinly thinly veiled as actual business expenses or what have you. But then him as a as an influencer, I know McLean hates that term, but as a celebrity influencer, just as a social media personality, it, he would have banked yeah. big time. Like he would have been getting fifty thousand dollars for a post on yeah. Instagram, uh, yeah. like to to post about a brand or so. I think just at least depending on what the circumstances were. Yeah, so I think honestly, if you look at Bronny James valuation, for whatever it's worth, uh, from on three nil is six point one million dollars. Okay, Shadour Sanders four point one million. Okay, I, like Shadour is four point one million at Colorado on a bad, without on a without bad nearly team. Yeah, not nearly the level of hype. Even though like they've created a lot of hype, obviously, and and what have you. But it was nothing like. I don't know if there's ever been anything quite like Johnny Manziel. No, was no for I, that for that year or two. I,
4: I think Johnny's coming in conservative at ten million.
5: I, I think I think 10 million would be his Instagram earnings alone. Uh, yeah, well, and I
4: and I, th- and I think that's kind of what he's saying a little bit. He's like, yeah. look, I could get 5 million just based on who's on my who who I who my contacts are and I get yeah. another 5 million on Instagram. So there's 10. And yeah. I, I like I, I mean, I know people listening to the show understand this. I was about to say people don't understand. No, I know a lot of you do understand, but maybe some of you didn't live through the Johnny era or don't maybe don't know the inner workings of what exactly he meant to that campus. Like he built the stadium, basically. Like Johnny Football was the impetus; he was the catalyst for generating all of those donations, or at least most of them, to redo Kyle Field. Like he was a he was a business unto himself. Um, I think he would have sailed past ten million bucks, and you know what? In the process, Seth, he probably he probably would have had a better team around him than Uncle Nate. And his family, <laughs> you know what I
5: mean? That, that is true. We right? talk about like sometimes, sometimes the vice is outlawed, and it actually makes the vice worse. Yeah. Like so, I don't, I don't know if you classify paying college athletes as vice, but. Without all of the well, – like, once you make it legal, then you can have frameworks and structures around it. Yes. And you can regulate things somewhat. Or at least – and, yeah, I think Texas A&M, perhaps, you know, now they've got an entire department devoted to helping NIL. guys manage their NIL stuff and everything. Yeah, that's a very good point. Joe. Yeah,
4: it, it like, NIL might have saved – like, I I'm probably wouldn't have – like, Johnny probably – Ultimately, he had issues and may have ended up at the same place, but the guardrails he would have had around him would have been so much better. When I say Uncle Nate, for people who forget, it's a high school buddy of his who basically yeah. handled all his businesses and his autograph sessions well, for him, did the best he could. But if it, with NIL, and it's above board, he'd have probably already had an agent, he'd have had a marketing person, and, and among those people, either singularly or collectively, maybe some of them would have gotten his ear and said, hey man trying to tell them the same thing someone was supposedly telling. Like, hey, maybe dial back the partying well, a little
5: bit. I, you know, and I think that is maybe ultimately where agents who are so reviled for many good reasons in college football might end up being a good thing depending on who the agent is. Yeah. Because, yeah, especially at the age of 19 or 20, right. it the agent who can actually help guide a guy and who can help them make, A, the right money management decisions. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, I'm not even talking about investing, but just like Johnny Manziel talks in his interview about how He didn't have any clue about, like, how credit cards worked, taxes, anything else like that when he was bringing all this money. Not to mention, like, I I wonder sometimes when he's talking about this stuff, like, exactly how much the IRS is interested in him talking about all this money that's coming in. Has it been, let's see, what year? Oh, it's been over seven years, so I guess. Is that what it is? Is that the statute of limitations? that's what took so long, yeah. Mm. (laughs) Someone knows the rules pretty well. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> that's when you're allowed to burn everything. Gotcha. into smithereens. I got gotcha. you after seven years.
4: Um, so that's 10 million in NIL is what Johnny says. The, the The quote that's getting the most run from this interview is the talking about his relationship with his former head coach Kevin Selman. What was the relationship like? What did the relationship turn into and why?
2: My relationship with Kevin Sumlin was great. You know, um, he was my dog. You know, he rode for me hard. He went to bat for me. He went to war for me in a multitude of different scenarios. You know, I think where our relationship fell out a little bit is how do you have a guy who's a grown man who I look back on this now reflective in this? You know, how do you have a guy who's a grown man, you know, telling me what I should do? Obviously, my coach, my guy I'm looking up to, my head football coach, is telling me to live a certain way and put all this party and this behind you. But if you know anything about Kevin Summons, what he's doing behind the scenes. Oh, he's partying too? So from behind, from my eyes, so you're saying, I'm it's just doing hypocritical. What you're doing we're partying together. Just, well, we're a 40-40 club in New York. Yeah, oh, yeah. We in the back room playing pool, with ace of spades. We're chilling. Right. Coach is there. This This is what he does. So now looking back at it, it's hypocritical to me. And our relationship is great and will forever be great. And no, <laughs> I do I not sit here today as a judge of a man, a judge of a person who helped get me to the point of where I wanted to be in life. By no means whatsoever. I'm calling a spade a spade. Right. And I'm just going to be and give the God's honest truth as what I know it to be. That ruffles some feathers, so be it.
4: i double check with Kevin Sumlin on that. The relationship is always going to be yeah, great. Thing. This a, this After this part, interview.
5: Like, this is a long interview. and like if, I could take out Sniff- from this interview where it makes it sound like, man, he really gets it and he understands how he had damaged himself and how he was responsible for so many of the bad things that would happen to him. But then I could just as easily find examples to the contrary where he's blaming somebody. And I like, I mean, like just because this very feels very much like with all due respect that... Yeah, hey, as long as you put with all due respect before it, then, uh, it doesn't matter, right? It gives you immunity. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I feel like he says, like, hey, I love Kevin Sumlin, and this is not criticism, but here's some bad stuff about him. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Calling a spade a spade, uh, saying, uh, somebody's being a hypocrite, like various things like that. That tends not to, that's, that's not the same as, like, uh, the the way that you would talk about somebody you've got a great relationship with. No,
4: no, the headline. At least
5: not without their consent, you know?
4: Yeah, the headline in the Chronicle. Johnny Manziel blasts former Aggies coach Kevin Sumlin on podcast. Our I feel like he's in that.
5: Great. He, he's in that mode where he feels like as long as something is true, then you can say it, and it shouldn't be construed. As he does. Criticism. That's a good way yeah. to put
4: it. That's a really good way to put it. I think Ben's favorite part of that cut was when Shannon Sharp in the middle of it goes, Oh, yeah! <laughs> you got to isolate that, Ben. We need I like that Shannon
5: acting like you didn't know that Kevin Sumlin had, like, can have a good time.
4: Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Um, all right, let's do one more here. Um, Johnny Manziel was in a quarterback room with former Texans quarterback Brian Hoyer. Before Brian Hoyer became a Texan, he was a teammate of Johnny Manziel's the season before in 2014 in Cleveland. Sounds like Brian Hoyer was... Hyped up to get the hell out of there. Here's Johnny Manziel on sharing a quarterback room with Brian Hoyer.
2: Brian Hoyer had been waiting on opportunity to be able to go really provide for his family, get an opportunity, and he saw how much of an upper hand he had on me, Mm -hmm. and he didn't hold back when it came to that. So there was instances in the quarterback room early on where I would ask the same question a couple times, and he'd be at the head of the table and go, "Again, we're doing this again." Wow, keep him out of it, right? Let's just cut that off. And I don't have a bad word to say about Brian Hoyer. That is just fact of what happened in that room. So when that happened, so if we were to ask another quarterback that's in that room, go ask Connor Shaw. Oh. Go ask Connor Shaw, who played at South Carolina and was with us in Cleveland. Go ask him how Brian Hoyer was in that room. Go
1: ask Dow Loggins. Okay, I don't have a ba- some
5: heavy hitters there.
4: I, <laughs> yeah, Dow Loggins and wait, Connor wait, Shaw. Wait, wait. Are you
5: t-
1: plus? Not to mention again, like this
5: is Johnny. Like I don't know if he knows how to be a friend. You don't pull other dudes into your mudslinging. Yeah. That's up that's up to Connor Shaw or Dowell Loggins if they choose to emerge from wherever they're coaching high school football right, right, right. now. <laughs> and and uh, weigh in on the quarterback room dynamics. Look, this is where this is where he just doesn't quite get it. He's on record as saying he was an absolute train wreck in Cleveland. Wasn't paying attention. Didn't watch a single minute of film away from the facility on his iPad. He would turn his iPad in. There would be zero minutes logged on Little him. Zero. Not even faking watching film mm. or anything. Do you think maybe Brian Horrier was justified in his scoffing at you right. sometimes when you're asking repeated questions? Right. I, he's, it's, It was a hard listen for me in this podcast because he sounds like Al Bundy. He keeps going back to high school football and various great high school football greats from the state of Texas. And, uh, you know, in, in, like, right, in Mount yeah, dude, I get it. Set. But you're not, like, you and you alone are to blame for you sucking in the NFL. Yeah. Like, you put zero effort into it. It's not, so, like, let's not act like Brian Hoyer was too mean to you as you were not paying attention to a damn thing in the NFL.
4: He did it in both of those with Sumlin and with Hoyer. Yeah. He did the thing where he says, I don't have a bad word to
5: say about them, in the middle of Trash-talking about them. <laughs> not to mention, Sumlin wasn't tough enough with me. But then meanwhile, veteran quarterback, he was mean. Oh, that's true. He scoffed when I was stupid that's in meetings. That's true, yeah.
4: Sumlin was yeah. being hypocritical. Yeah, we. Yeah, Sumlin, Sumlin was out partying. He was telling me not to party. Brian Hoyer scoffed when I was asking questions. I would too. Like if I knew someone wasn't watching any film and they're wasting my time with asking about stuff yeah. multiple
5: times. You mean what? How come it looks like cover would, tube, but dude, then after the snap, it's not covered. I, I, I yeah. I I, <laughs> I hate
4: being put in a position of defending Brian Hoyer. I don't know Brian Hoyer. Like I I have a bad taste in my mouth from Brian Hoyer because I associate him with yeah. Bill O'Brien and I think he was a teacher's pet. And all that other stuff.
5: It's the first bad thing I've ever heard somebody say publicly about Brian Hoyer. Yeah. And it's coming from Johnny Manziel. Yeah, mouth, yeah, you yeah. Like, I, it's like, he's still, he's got some work to do. He, he admits in this interview that he needs to work on himself. Right. And I just thought, so he's he's a, he's a long ways from actually, like, taking responsibility for his actions.
4: All right. Um, let's give away some, uh, some Jelly Roll tickets here. Uh, caller number five is going to win tickets to see Jelly Roll March 6th. At the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo. Oh, it's a, yeah! It's a Wednesday night. Yes! Keep <laughs> that. go so Shannon. Keep that. <laughs> Shannon, how you feeling about Jelly Roll? Oh, yeah! Yeah, I know. 713-572-4610. Caller number five wins a pair of tickets to see Jelly Roll at the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo. Caller number five. We'll do it again. Final hour of the show. We're giving away tickets all day today. Two more times to win on In the Loop. Uh, two more times on the drive, Tuesdays and Thursdays. That's what we're doing, man. Um, so call number 5, 713 uh, I'm glad that the phones are ringing because apparently cell service everywhere for various carriers was out this morning. I was lucky enough to have phone service, but several of our colleagues up here did not. Um, text message, rank the 610 crew based on survivability during the apocalypse. If hmm. the phone's going down is the apocalypse... The beginning of it, who among the 610 crew has the best chance of survival? Sir, we will rank them next.
1: Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents Pain and Pendergast. All right, top of
4: the hour. We'll get to headlines. A lot of stuff to get to. A lot of stuff to get to. Um, hopefully, hopefully, all of you out there are uh, getting phone service back if you didn't have it. If you woke up this morning, I had no idea there were issues um, until at least two or three people, two or three of our coworkers, walked up to me in the hallway and said, hey, is your phone working? And I said, yeah. And they said, okay, well, you're going to be our avenue if we are in the midst of the zombie apocalypse, because none of ours are working right now. My wife even just texted me right now. Seth said, hey, is your phone working? Because I guess there's a lot. And it's not so just she, one. So she
5: can text but
4: not call? No, she, hers, call? no hers is working. Okay. Hers, hers is working. But she was just curious because she had heard oh, the same gotcha. thing I did, that, that there, were, you know, there were a lot of issues. And it, it wasn't any one particular carrier. It was across a bunch of carriers and stuff like that. So, um, so hopefully you guys are dealing with that okay? Because we know basically your phone is like another or it's like your third kidney pretty much yeah. at least it is for me so um
5: it reminded me of a movie that i had just seen i think it's the last day on earth or last day of the world whatever it is it's with ethan hawk mm-hmm. and julia roberts mm-hmm. but it's kind of an apoco- apocalyptic type of world war yeah. taking over and things go to mayhem right quick yeah once the satellites go out and nobody has their phones that's nobody it. Knows what the hell to that's do? that's it yeah. okay so
4: it's a great question here from four six nine oh Rank the six ten crew based on survivability during the apocalypse. Now, when I read this question, my immediate thought was just like, "Okay, I'm just trying. If if the apocalypse hits on Tuesday, I'm just trying to get to Wednesday." Right. But but you think bigger than I do, Seth. You you think of a post apocalyptic world where we potentially actually could survive in this
5: thing. Yeah. I mean if you're gonna have to survive and we don't have satellites and we don't have internet and we don't have even mail service or anything like those, yeah. it's gonna get it's gonna get tribal really quickly. Right, right, right. And it's gonna get into that, you know, warlord phase. Right. And we've you know we we've, we've established that for one, I I a long time ago I declared myself future warlord of Houston. You did. You did. Um I don't know who would survive best. The biggest thing I'd worry about with me is how I do in heat. Yeah. Which there tends to be a lot of, especially <laughs> I'm guessing the, the AC won't be. Functioning That's an apocalypse. Anywhere. Just start
4: walking. You know, just start walking North. You're fine. The first,
5: first, the first order of business is finding a huge, uh, a generator, Lots of diesel fuel to fuel it and an, an AC. And then, Just yeah, a window I, unit AC that I can put in a shack, and, and then, then I can rule the world. And
4: then wait it out for everybody else to die, yes. Yeah. Um, Somebody so,
5: says, Seth by a mile is the top survivor. He strikes me as someone that has played out the scenario in his head. His lack <laughs> of trust in other people and his size... Uh, would I don't know? Then it gets and then it gets broken broken up by our text. Side. I, I, oh, I we'll will help him take overtake Texas in the dystopian future. Long live King Zaza.
4: I, I give my my gut reaction was yeah. I give you a really good chance of survival, based on some of the things that that texter is saying. Yeah. You know, intellect, physical stature. You know, which look, matters
5: more, and it matters more once you're going back to primal. Absolutely, stuff, you know? absolutely, yeah. it does. Um, it goes back to the way things should be.
4: To be very clear, I don't know that any of us make it to the point where we're putting the new Declaration of Independence back together or anything like that. Um, uh, well, I
5: feel like you—you you would be really good in that. You're—you're you're very organized. Mm-hmm. You have like management ability and experience, mm-hmm. and you're a writer. Mm-hmm. And in the, in times like these, pamphlets and tracts are really big. <laughs> Really big. Pamphlets? So you sure, you're not going to get that sweet Houston press money coming in. Right. But if you can just find an old mimeograph somewhere in a school or museum money. or something, you're going to print out a bunch of pamphlets and tracts about how you've got the plan and you are the way. <laughs>
4: That's, a, I, I like where your head's at on that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess we're assuming currency doesn't mean squat anymore, right? Right. Uh, so I appreciate the compliment. Um, I make no mistake the, the, um, the, the physical part of the apocalypse would weigh on me you know and and uh, the lack of technology I appreciate the the recognition of the organizational skills I give you a great chance Lopez first popped into my head because at least he probably has some outdoor skills. Mm-hmm. He, allow he him goes out of fish. He he'll allow him to gather, yeah. you know, gather food in some fashion, yeah. right? He's a
5: hunter-gatherer. Hunter-gatherer, yes. right? He is a, well, yeah, that's where we are. Yeah, He's a hunter-gatherer. Yeah, I, I give Lopez a decent shot. now. I could see him more being in the Department of Forestry or something, like whichever my my cabinet, or whatever I call it. He'll be my fish and wildlife <laughs> chief. But go. I don't know about him being, like, the head honcho. But, yes, definitely would survive.
4: Right. Um, okay, Landry Locker. How would Landry Locker do in an apocalypse?
5: He's got a lot of little finger qualities to him, I think. Little finger, the Game of well. Thrones character, is that you'd yeah. a game of Thrones, a little finger? He's got, I think he definitely would be able to kind of work behind the scenes to divide and conquer and uh, just kind of like create schisms in anybody that might challenge him. You make sure
4: his tribe won, you know? Like yeah. His, yeah. Yeah. Like he, he would put his yeah. tribe in, in a good spot for sure. Um, okay. What about the afternoon show? What about Clint and Ron? How would they do in an apocalypse? Uh, a
5: texter says that Ron will become somebody's war prisoner immediately. I don't think Show would oh. do well in an apocalypse. Uh, Sho can't, can't ride a bike still, right? Okay. Is that still? No. Is he, I, did he figure yeah, that out? Still.
4: I don't think he? he has. <laughs>
5: hey, man. That's, He's got, honestly, that's, that should be a bike endorsement. That's, like, yes. If he learns how to ride a bike yeah. on a trek bike or something. And they can have nice, heartwarming commercials of him as like his kids finally saying that. Dude, they can look him in the eye. I'm telling
4: and- you right <laughs> now, though, like that's hey, that uh, that's a thing in the new apocalyptic world because eventually we're gonna run out of fuel, right? Eventually we're gonna run yeah, how out are of your tracks. Gonna
5: get distributed, yeah. If not for a bicycle, you
4: bicycles are going might become our main mode of transportation. Show's gonna be left walking everywhere. Yeah, we're getting you know thrown Clint's, into somebody's uh, Clint, war prison. Yeah.
5: Clint has that old school quarterback leadership ability. I yeah. think that you know, he when Clint gets in a group setting sometimes, like he's very comfortable. I've noticed this about him. There are times where like the kind of the quarterback kicks in and he just kind of takes charge. Like in mm-hmm. a way that doesn't feel like doesn't feel like oh the dude that feels like he needs to take charge like he yeah. does it in a very it's like smooth and comfortable way so yeah. I think that would serve him well good hand eye coordination right. obviously right and uh, and as Jameis would tell you he grew up near the water bingo which is big <laughs> bingo <laughs> they're a one with water <laughs> yeah water has but no I do think, soul I think especially for the like Clint uh, both around his hometown. And just in general, just has kind of a, the he's going to appeal very much to other dudes who know how to weld, yeah. who actually like can hunt and fish. Yeah. You know, like Lopez and Clint have the most, I, I think most natural appeal to guys that are big time hunters and fishermen and probably have a lot of survival skills. Yeah. That's the part that's going to be tough yep. as we wage war on each I other. I feel
4: like I would be the behind the scenes organizational force behind a ticket of Clint and Lopez- with you as the muscle for the yeah. group, yeah,
5: yeah. I think as shows go, y- you and I would do the best. You think? I think we'd have the most blend of. Uh, yeah, I think we uh, we we have a kind of yin and yang. Where we mellow, like we we fill in the spaces with for each, each other. other. Yeah, yeah.
4: I hope that's the case, man. Because these you farms- could I could
5: like Master Blaster in the original Mad Max. You could wire it around on my shoulders, or <laughs> I'll be the muscle and you'll be. <laughs> Photoshop, that big helmet. Photoshop, (laughs) Photoshop. We need it. Uh,
4: We we need it. Um, Okay, people are weighing in on this. Lopez for sure. He would be feeding all of us with those fishing skills. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Someone went and just went ahead and ranked it. Uh, Five or uh, nine one two one. Seth would somehow end up leading a crew, Mad Max style, as you just mentioned. Uh, Number two, Clint. Three, Lopez. Four, Tyler. Five Landry, six me, seven Ron, and then they put Figgy in eighth. Uh, where would B. Scott, do you think, fall in that whole mix?
5: Well, let's see. B. Scott, he can write, too, so the tracks and pamphlets, big. Yeah. Uh, he... His dad was a cop. Yeah. So I assume he... I don't know. I feel like he's gone to the range with him a few times at least mm-hmm. or something. So if he can scrounge up any bullets... Now, bullets... Having bullets is nice, but knowing how to make bullets is better, which are, we again... I don't think there's a damn one of us at the station that God ben, no Ben? Ben, can you do you make bullets no. at home no. in your spare time? Okay. <laughs> damn. None that you want the guy like to go about, I, I guess. It's like
4: yeah. a 20% chance Ben was making bullets in his basement or something like that. <laughs>
5: how, did, how did you go to Ben's house? Yeah. And he's got a cache of weapons all of a sudden? Uh, Hey, Ben, just remember, I was always good to you. Not like these other guys. <laughs> right? It <right. laughs>
4: <That> is true. <laughs> I'd be the first to go. Just based on the look Ben gets on his face. And I'm like, hey, Ben, hey Ben, Ben, I need Manziel 6. Quick, quick. Ben's like, I can't wait to shoot this guy. Uh, Sean would be great uh to go with warlord uh Sean would be a great co-warlord with Seth. Yeah, I think that's what Seth was saying. I think we would be a good duo in an apocalypse. I don't know how long it would last, but I think we would outlast our peers at Sports Radio 610.
5: I think you and I would do well in like some one of those um what's the what's the game show where they travel like the earth and they go through all kinds of challenges and everything.
4: Uh, Not not Survivor, uh, because Survivor, they do it in one spot. This
5: one, they actually, like, they go, like, they're actually trying. They've got objectives, and they have to, like, travel. Oh, okay. I don't know that one.
4: Text in. Yeah.
5: People get exhausted. I feel like you and I would do well on something like that, because you and I have a good ability to, like, get mad at each other, but then quickly just let it go. Move on. And uh, and we accept responsibility, usually when we're wrong. Mm -hmm. Like, usually coming up at 920, we're going to play one of the worst moments I've had on radio uh, ever. I, we're gonna play it because Landry picked up on it, of course. <laughs> yes. And we're gonna find out who was worse in answering your very basic question: was it me or was it Landry? Okay. Um, if there's one person I want to take criticism from about awkward pauses and pooping on topics, it sure is Landry. Okay. So we're gonna we're gonna go through. We'll we'll replay maybe one of the worst. Minutes of radio ever in history as I struggled to answer a very basic question from Sean, and then we'll also figure out whether Landry didn't do the exact same thing. Okay. immediately afterwards, nine twenty. Yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah, when we did that one yesterday, I was like, "Man, did I frame that question wrong? Was that you know?" That no, was, no, no, it
5: was all me. That it was, was all me.
4: D'Amico Dust versus Stroud spell. Yeah, it was.
5: It was a hundred percent me in every way. It was completely. Uh, <laughs> it was completely my fault. It it's was hundred percent my fault.
4: It's all good. Yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of people. Boy, a lot lot of people have thoughts the on ama- how we would do here
5: the amazing race was the show I was amazing saying,
4: race yeah 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 yeah,
5: yeah the, somebody's saying don't shortchange organizational skills in an apocalypse yes I, that's why i think sean of all of us yeah sean's got by far the best uh, organizational skills yeah so it's in my yeah.
4: background more than anything else it's not yeah, yeah. you
5: would look look yeah you, you know in the immediate onset There's a certain type of leader that tends to be more of like the classical alpha that you think of, like forceful, loud, confident, all that stuff, but... Once there's any semblance of peace and you're not in a war state, right. usually a different type of leader needs to take over. That's where I think that, uh, you, like, me being your muscle initially yes. would be really, really good. Mm-hmm. But with you pulling the strings, and the key is I need to actively understand that you're pulling the strings. Right. There will be no, you don't need to assassinate me, Sean. No, no, no. At some point, like, it's just, that's. A, I understand where we stand. We okay? would be
4: very clear with each other. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Clint would disappear into the backwoods of Baytown. <laughs>
5: not a bad idea oh dang it i'm out of habit area 45 hmm creighton's skinny now
4: oh yeah 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 creighton is gotta add area 45 yeah
5: and sean bajani has always been fit hmm that's interesting you know the the whole thing about creighton is if creighton can find somebody uh with a lot of weapons who also enjoys baseball creighton will (laughs) bullshit whoops he will BS about baseball for yes. hours like in a good and informed way like yes. old school style and I feel like that'll be like that'll be his that's, his way in that's to the most to protection
4: specific survival tactic I've ever heard It's
5: well because it's different with baseball than with other sports Yeah yeah there's an element of kind of yeah, having a recall for it and everything that, like the old school Mike Francesa type of way where you've got a certain, the, the kid that, you know, like a kid, we had Tyler Tilling at my school. That was the kid that knew everything about sports, yep. like knew all the stats and numbers and everything, but especially baseball. And he was popular just for that because he was like having the internet. You would have that. So, like, Creighton, in a lot of ways, when we have no internet, will be for people who want to talk baseball especially. Right. They can talk to Creighton about a lot of historical stuff, and he'll be their internet.
4: Yeah. No, I like, I like the idea. It's just, I just laughed at the sentence. If he could find someone with weapons who likes to talk baseball.
5: Landry would be eaten first due to, due to him annoying me. eaten
4: we're already at the stage for day one of the apocalypse we're eating each other I mean we we got at least like a week's worth of food don't we? before we got to start cannibalism
5: y'all all dead in a week no no no, I think we'd last at least a week. The, the key is how quickly are you willing to relinquish your ties to your, your previous morality? Mm-hmm. I think we'd all do really well with that. Oh, for sure. I think we'd be like, okay, new rules. For sure. <laughs> for sure. Um, hey, those old rules, they're uh, on hiatus for yeah, a little bit. They don't exist anymore. Yeah.
4: We ain't respecting old arrangements. Um, someone feels you're overselling the value of the pamphlet. <laughs> i'm kind of with him said even no, though that's a you big gotta. even though that's a big part of my value to this new post-apocalyptic world my pamphlet generation
5: skills you i know, think you gotta remember we are living in an age sean <laughs> yeah. where one of people's biggest complaints in life is just how much information there is out there all the time right. and it's constantly bombarding you uh, and as much as you hate it you've grown addicted to it so if all of a sudden you shut the spigot off, mm-hmm. and there's no more flow of information. Yep. People will be so hungry and thirsty for anything that they can get their hands. Yeah, the Sean. Yeah. These Zoomers, they don't even know what it's like to go to the bathroom without the internet at your disposal. No, you're right. You're right. Can you imagine? Yeah. By that alone. Hey, here, read this next time you're pooping in the woods, because we won't be pooping. <laughs> that's true. Any They'll any be easily clearly. influenced.
4: Yeah. That'll be the. I mean, yeah, you're right. That'll be the new version of just. That's the algorithm now. Our pamphlets, you know. Yeah. That's the new yeah. algorithm. Um, <laughs> Good point by a texter, and then we'll get to the 888, eight, Ben, I promise. Captain Mickey is basically going to be ruling everybody. <laughs> <laughs>
5: That's true. Captain
4: Mickey's yeah, got more yeah, outdoor okay. chops than any of us.
5: <laughs> I Sometimes I think about that, and I like go into a little bit of a survivalist rabbit hole or something. Yeah. Not that I'm overly worried about it, except oh, okay. anyway. Um, There are some things. There's an argument to be had for, at the very least, if all the satellites went out, yeah. and if everything got super disrupted, some of the old school skills from like, just say the early 1900s, yep. where we'd still have motor vehicles and everything and you'd have all this stuff, but some of the things just like obviously hunting and fishing, but welding yeah. and auto repair and just some of those very basic things that probably in the last 30 years, if we've really fallen by the wayside mm-hmm. and being able to do for ourselves, That's uh, that can be a huge, huge, huge asset. Oh, yeah. What that's- I'm saying is go to trade school mm-hmm. if you want to. Well actually my honest advice is go to trade school Yeah my no seriously you, know, you can get yeah. paid Like yeah you can get yeah. paid Yeah no no go get your Go get your STEM degree that everybody's been pushing, so they can lay you off in mass layoffs. That's right. I got I got to hear all these people in Silicon Valley say like, "No, we need more math and science. Need more math and science, so we can fire them on mass whenever we feel like it." Yep. Go learn how to be a plumber, and you'll have a have a lucrative profession. You life, will. There
3: it. will always be toilets. Absolutely. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?